podcast. I'm your host Sean Holland. My guest this week is Ronan O'Shea from the Behind the Yellow Line podcast. He uh, has been a big supporter of this podcast and even had me on as a guest. So I thought I'd have him on my podcast. And basically we just talk about the Cubs as they move into spring training and what to expect for this year's team some talk about the new physique for Seiya Suzuki and yeah just a lot of fun stuff and baseball is back and without much further ado let's get to Ronan O'Shea who is on Twitter at Ronan O'Shea here he is Ronan welcome to Holy Cowie Cubs podcast good to have you on the show it's great to be here Sean thanks for including me okay so uh full disclosure I was on your guys' podcast a couple weeks back. We had a pretty good time. And this is like, I thought, perfect to have you on my podcast and a little mutual podcast boosting. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, no, I, I really do appreciate it. And we had a great time with you on Behind the Yellow Line. Uh, my co-host, Randall and Jeremy, you were one of the guys that we were talking about this winter saying, hey, we want to get some new guests on the show as we get ready for the new season. And your name kept coming up. So we enjoyed having you on. We had a really good conversation there. And it's fun to, yeah, do the other end of it here and, and come and sit in on your podcast. Okay, so I guess we'll just get into it. And spring training is beginning. Everybody's reported to camp. So what are your thoughts as spring training begins for the Cubs? I'm just so happy it's back, first of all, right? It's been a really bad offseason. You know, the Bears didn't have a good year. Basketball, hockey in Chicago, not so good right now. My Indiana Hoosiers, basketball have been pretty interesting. But other than that, you know, it's been pretty slow since the end of last baseball season. So I think above everything else, I'm just happy it's back. When you see pictures of the guys down in Mesa throwing around the baseball, you get your first look at guys like Dansby. That brings me back to being a little kid. It thrilled me when I was 10. It thrills me now in my 30s. So I'm just happy that it's back. I'm I'm not as optimistic about maybe total wins this year for the Cubs, but I'm encouraged that the direction the organization is going. And I think we're going to see a lot of entertaining baseball this summer. So I'm just glad it's back. Yeah, I agree. I think the general direction is better than it was. I mean, a couple of years it was, you know, the arrow was pointing down and now the arrow is pointing up. So you definitely feel better about that. Yeah. And it's fun having young players that maybe started contributing last year will take on bigger roles this year and guys that you think are going to be around when the team is super competitive again. That to me is a little more enjoyable than what we've seen the last couple of years where it seems like the the competent or the fun players have been falling off or being traded. So it's nice that there's a foundation here. You're seeing it play out every day, and that makes it a little more satisfying inevitably when this team gets really competitive again. Yes. Now, obviously, that's why I think I'm kind of annoyed with this whole uh, Wilson Contreras thing, this yeah. whole drama that's been playing out, because it feels like that's focusing on like the past couple years where – 
things are going downhill and it's like, okay, do we really have to keep dwelling on this? Is right. anyone surprised that super competitive Wilson Contreras is now all gung-ho for the Cardinals? Why are we shocked by that? It's the same guy that we rooted for the last six years and we loved seeing him play for the Cubs. You know, you're totally right, Sean. Like, we know who Wilson is and he just got life-changing money from the St. Louis Cardinals and investment from a team that has been very good as much as that annoys you and I, a team that a franchise that's been very competitive. They're giving him a really good opportunity and the Cubs didn't. And I don't disagree with the Cubs in moving on from Wilson, I understand where the front office is going, and I don't know how his skill set is going to age over the next couple of years, but I don't blame him, and I don't blame anything that's come out from him. The only thing that's going to stink is when he has that big home run or he picks off a guy at first for the Cubs this year. That's going to be frustrating, but Wilson's an amazing competitor. He's a Cubs World Series hero, and he's always going to be one of my favorites. It's just unfortunate that now he's in St. Louis. Yeah, it's one of those simple, like, a leopard's not going to change his spots. Yeah. Every team he went to, he was going to be gung-ho. Right. And he should be. You know? Like, I, he he should be confident. He should feel like he's out there to take on the world. And it's going to be scary. I just don't know. I, you know, again, I, I don't think the Cubs made the wrong decision moving on. It's just unfortunate, right? I wanted to see Wilson as a Cub for his entire career. And I don't know if that would have been the best decision from a franchise standpoint. So it's... You know, it is what it is. We've seen other Cubs heroes go down to St. Louis. This is just part of the game now, and it happens all over the place. Yep. So we'll move on to some more upbeat news. Um, Seiya Suzuki is absolutely stacked. (laughs) I mean, talk about best shape of your life. Yeah. You hear that about everybody, right? But I honestly, I was taken aback the first picture of Seiya, like, damn. He's he's gotten big. He's really bulked up. And one of the questions that I've had for Seiya going into this year is, okay, what are we thinking for a home run total and what do we want? You know, This is not a guy that I think anybody's expecting is going to go out and hit 40 home runs. He's never been that type of a player, but he's a corner outfield. He's in a premium offensive position. So my baseline was like, well, he's got to get to 20 home runs. He looks really good. He gets a, a full year in America under his belt. I think he's going to have a unique spring training with all the World Baseball Classic opportunities he's going to get with Japan. I'm very excited to see what Seiya does this year. And again, it was it was visually jarring. I think the first time I saw him, as pictures rolled in from Mesa, that, wow, he really looks ready to go. Yes. I mean, and honestly, when you saw him last year, I was surprised how big he was. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So for now, it's like, wow. Yeah. And it's just good to see that it, 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 it reinforces the work that he put in, in the off season. Um, not that there was ever any question about his commitment to his craft or anything, but it just shows that he's really working on becoming the optimal athlete he can be. And my hope is that just translates into some power. If he, if he can put up a mid 20 home run season with the solid defense that he provides, he's going to be a really important piece to this team and he's not going to be a problem. So I'm, I'm, he's one of the most anticipated players, I think, coming into this year. We got a taste of it last year. Between injuries, we didn't get to see, I think, the full Seiya. So it should be very exciting to see what he puts together. He'll, his at-bats will be must-watch TV. Yep. All right, so the Cubs did make a move since I talked to you last. They uh, added Edwin Rios 
from the Dodgers, another corner infielder. But I don't know if this is much of a move, but I thought I'd ask you what you thought of this. You know, take as many flyers as you can. Uh, There's plenty of upside with him. He's hit 20 home runs and like fewer than 300 plate appearances the last couple of years. He's not an everyday type of a player, but there's some power there. Also a ton of strikeouts and he doesn't walk a lot either. So yeah, this is the kind of guy, bring him in, see if he can compete for a 40 man spot. You know, I, I was thinking about this recently. A lot of the positions for the Cubs are set here going towards opening day. The outfield is done. Uh, second base is done. Shortstop is done. First base is largely done. It's going to be primarily Trey Mancini. And then maybe we get Mervis up in a little bit and he starts getting a lot of at-bats. Catcher is done. There's not a lot of starting positions that you can be fighting for for a job with the Cubs right now. Third base happens to be one of them. So give Patrick Wisdom some competition. Give Christopher Morel some competition. Uh, David Bodie's fighting for a roster spot, a position that's unique to him compared to the last couple of years. Why not go out and see if Edwin Rios can also be put in the mix there? So, you know, I'm not thrilled with where the Cubs are at third base going into the season. I think it's a weak spot and, again, a premium offensive position. But at this point, you may as well put as many guys as you can into the mix there and see who rises to the top. Yes. Now, with that, with that being said, that's why it's so, so annoying that they're working out a, a madrigal at third base. <laughs> and you've got four other guys on the roster going for third base. Why do you have to put him there? Right, right. And and who are we kidding, right? Like, Because if you're thinking, all right, Nick Madrigal trade piece. And I think that's the likely resolution. I, I, I'll be very surprised. If Nick Madrigal is a Cub on opening day, I don't even think he's going to be in the organization. But, like, you're not going to fool any other team into thinking that this guy is a major league third baseman. I'm not even certain he's a major league second baseman. That's yet to be determined at this point. I just don't think he's got a future, you know, with this franchise. So I don't know if they're doing it, you know, because he's putting in the work. They're they're trying to reward his pres- his professional his professionalism. They're trying to say, hey, look, this is a position that potentially can be earned in spring training. Go out there and get it. But I'd be hard-pressed to believe that anybody in the Cubs organization is very serious that Nick Madrigal is going to be a competent major league third baseman, and it's going to happen in the Cubs system. I, I, I don't know. I think he's going to be somewhere else on opening day and probably at second base. Yeah, because you basically have, if you include him, five guys going for third base. Yeah. Not all of them are going to make the team. So... Maybe they're just going to throw everybody out there and just see who rises to the top. I don't know. You're right. Yeah, and I think competition's a good thing. Like, you want guys to be pushing. That's why uh, David Bodie becomes a really interesting character for me in spring training here. He got the extension a couple of years ago. He's never really been healthy. When he has been healthy, he has a lot of power. He can play multiple positions in the infield. Like, there should be something there. He's just never reached his potential. Now he's coming into camp. He's not on the uh, um, you know primary roster here. He, there's no guarantee he's going to make the team out of spring training. So how he reacts to that and what he looks like in spring training is going to be certainly very interesting. Uh, but I like it. I, competition is a good thing, especially for some of the young players on the team. When they get to look at other competitive players, players who've been in the postseason, that rubs off. And, and that's why you know Pete Carr Armstrong hanging around Cody Bellinger going to be a net positive for the Cubs organization well down the road. Yes. So I guess I'll turn a little bit to the pitching. And 
it seems like they're really going, the Cubs are going full, you know, full bore into this piggyback scenario with uh, Keegan Thompson and Albert Alzole. So I thought I'd ask you, what do you think of this piggyback plan? Yeah, I, I love it, actually. And I love that David Ross, without wasting any time, grabbed, I think we knew Albert Adbert was going to be in the bullpen. He definitely looked more comfortable in that role than we've seen as a starter. And it, it, you probably get a peak performance out of a guy like that in one inning or two innings versus trying to stretch him out for five or six innings. So we sort of expected that. Keegan, I think a lot of Cubs fans have been like, this is a super upside player. He... Doesn't necessarily work as a starter, although maybe he could figure that out. He very likely has the potential to be a top-end reliever and a guy who can go multiple innings. Really impressive in a role like that. So we're seeing baseball change. Starting pitchers aren't lasting as long as they used to. You have bigger importance, I think, with teams on guys with high velocity who can go multiple innings. And both of these players, I think, fit that mold. So I just love that David Ross nipped it in the bud right now. Let's focus Keegan Thompson as a major league reliever, a multi-inning, high-leverage reliever, and let's see what he can do because I think the sling there is very, very high, whereas I'm not sure he could hold that over 180, 200 innings as a starter going six innings every night. You know, it, it, this is just great that the Cubs are doing this, and there's plenty of other interesting arms in the starting rotation that we're going to get to see and guys that we anticipate making big jumps forward like Justin Steele. So good on David Ross, and I can't wait to see what these guys look like. It should be uh, pretty cool. And that's the other thing that I think I'm on board with this. I don't know if other people are. I like Wisniewski being yeah. in the field instead of being a starter. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. We'll see where that goes, too. And, and I mean, like – you got four pretty much locked in starters at this point. The fifth spot, there's three or four guys right now we could say have a have a legitimate shot at pitching there. Then you've got other guys that are good enough to be on a major league team, just whether or not they fit in the rotation is is going to be the right spot. So that's intriguing. And um, you know, Hayden's been very impressive in his time in Chicago. I would expect big leaps from him again this year as well. Yeah. No, I, a, a big part of that for me is I'm strangely confident in um adrian um samson yeah whose name i forgot just how confident i am but yes <laughs> adrian samson right yes yeah so very good about him and i don't know why it, I, I understand where you're coming from with that you know the, the funny thing with adrian samson is we're watching him last year and we're like okay this is a 30 year old like what's this guy supposed to be? He had been in the majors previously with Seattle. A couple of years later, he was with Texas. He had played like fewer than 50 major league games before he had come to the Cubs. Now he's this 30 year old. Uh, he's certainly not a rookie, but a young player in the league. And he was surprisingly very effective. And what's surprising with it is he doesn't strike out a ton of guys. So he's still getting outs. He's, He's not dominating guys in the sense that he's striking out guys every inning, but it was start after start of, of quality pitching and keeping the Cubs in ball games. He's a great depth piece. The pessimist in me is like, you're just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like this guy isn't supposed to be a low three ERA pitcher. And yet over his last season and a half with the Cubs, it's exactly what he's been. Yeah. But 
great to have with the team. He's cheap and he can help. But the, see, that's why I'm I'm confident because I kept waiting for him to fall apart. Yeah, waiting and waiting, and he just kept steady. So you're right. Time, you start going, well, maybe he's just steady. Yeah, and some guys figure it out a little bit later. Other guys have these years, you know, stretches of time where everything just works. And maybe that's what the Cubs are getting with him right now. There's a lot of reason as a Cubs fan to be impressed with the, you know, you can call it like the pitching infrastructure with the Cubs, the way that they go out, identify players, bring them into the system that they have, and get really good performances out of a lot of these guys. We've seen it routinely in the bullpen, and we're seeing it with these starters too. So maybe he's a guy that they've just sort of found this magic for a couple of years, but he certainly doesn't hurt. And he's going to pitch significant innings, I think, for the Cubs this year. Yes. I, I did want to touch on, um, you mentioned Justin Steele. Yeah. Already today, there's all this buzz about, you know, his changeup's been, like, improved and, he looks really good, but obviously he's not played in games yet, but I do feel very good about him. Yeah, you should. I, I think this is a guy that of, of all of the players in the starting rotation, he's the one I'm most looking forward to watching this year. And a guy that you think can make a jump to a top tier pitcher, at least with the Cubs team right now, he does strike out a ton of guys. He really held his own last year and he made mid 20 starts. I mean, it was only about 120 innings, but he was out there and slowed down towards the end of the year. But I think that Justin Steele, like, like this is the most anticipated pitcher in the starting rotation. And if he can make the jump that he did from 2021 to 2022, again, here in 2022 to 2023, we might be having this conversation that the Cubs have found an ace or a solid number two towards the top of the rotation. This is going to be a big time player to watch. Yes. So, you know, it's one of those things you always have to be cautious with pitchers that yeah. they can always take a step back. But yeah, I feel very good. And, you know, another point too on Justin, I think, is that it's just satisfying to see the Cubs drafting players and pitchers in particular working them up to the majors and then seeing them excel there because with all of the other accomplishments that we saw with Theo and that championship run developing pitching was a problem this guy was drafted with Theo back in 2014 he's been in the Cubs system for almost a decade now that is what's exciting to see these guys finally rising to the top and making major gains in the majors it's a little more special when it's a homegrown guy and that's what I like about Justin Steele yeah because I mean honestly before Justin Steele their pitcher development was basically a disaster. Yeah. Like, like I don't know, eight years, it was bad. Yeah. This is good. You're absolutely right. And I, I just think a lot of Cubs fans don't realize he's been in the system that long. You know, and if you if you really want to get a kick out of it, I would encourage Cubs fans to, you know, click on Justin Steele's page, like a baseball reference page, and look at some of the minor league teammates that he had in the Cubs system over the years. It's just interesting to see some of those names come together. He played with Eloy, for example, mm-hmm. uh, in South Bend back in 2016, the Cubs World Championship year. Those are just two guys that I don't associate with each other, and yet they were in the Cubs system at the same time. So it's always fun to sort of look back and see some of the teammates that these guys had. Yeah, what were the – What were the? Um, it was the big three that got drafted that year. It was Steele, Dylan Cease, 
And who was the other one? Ah, uh, yes. Um, man, and Cease has been just tremendous. Like, I don't bemoan that trade at all. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, it's been – he's a really enjoyable player to watch pitch, even if he's on the wrong side of town. But I cannot for the life of me remember the other pitcher they drafted that year. But they were the big three arms. I guess they didn't make it, whoever it was. Yeah, I'm I'm blanking on that third one, but it uh, like I said, it's just satisfying to see these guys that were in the Cubs system for so many years coming back up to the top. Oh yeah, definitely. So um, sometimes I ask my guests, is there anything that's really been interesting to you the past couple weeks that you'd like to talk about? Well, I'm trying to think here if it's positive or negative here. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give a positive and then I'll, I'll give a negative. Uh, the positive that I'm really excited about is uh, Marquee Sports Network broadcasting basically every spring training game, which is something that we've been pleading for since this network has come on. I know you're out west, you're in Montana, I'm in Colorado, so I don't get Marquee natively with my TV package or anything like that. But just to be able to log into MLB TV and be able to watch a lot of these spring training games or have it on in the background during work, it's going to be great. And frankly, this is something the Cubs television network should be doing. Like in the last couple of years, we've seen more minor league broadcasts, the Iowa Cubs all the time on Marquee Sports Network like they should be. That's exactly what the network ought to be doing. So it's great to see that. I think it's going to make spring training a little bit more exciting. Uh, The other thing that'll make spring training a little bit more exciting is the World Baseball Classic. And the Cubs have players playing for a ton of teams, minor league guys, major league players. What I like about the World Baseball Classic is it breaks up the monotony once you get into, you know, three, four weeks from now of spring training. Like the first week of games is always really fun. The last week is you're looking at the final looks at guys, but there's sort of a lull in the middle there that I think gets filled in by the World Baseball Classic. So I'm definitely excited for that. Uh, The bad news is I'm really not excited about Eric Hosmer. And I'll just leave it at that. I, I hope he's not a Cub too much longer, and that means Matt Mervis is up and hopefully hitting the ball out of the park. I agree with you on that. <laughs> no, I just I, I don't like any part of him in the Cubs system. It's just uh, unfortunate. But I know why they did it. I understand the the theory of raising the floor. It's just he's a bad ball player, and I don't think he's going to be around too long. Hopefully Mervis comes up and takes that job. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of you the other day because somewhere in the internet I saw potential breakout candidates for the Cubs and one of them was Eric Cosmer. No. <laughs> I I well, I love the optimism, right? And I, I promise you, Sean, I would love to eat crow. If Eric Cosmer wants to go out and hit 30 home runs this year, be an MVP candidate, let's make it happen. It's not going to happen, though. So there's a couple other players that I think could have breakout years, and I'm cautiously optimistic about Cody Bellinger, but yeah. I don't think it's going to be Eric. That's I, I love the thing. It was potential breakout candidates. Cody Bellinger, I'm like, yeah. Eric Hoffman, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm definitely excited about Bellinger, and that was one of the first moves the Cubs made this offseason, and I just thought, wow, they're really going to go for it this winter. They're going out, they're getting a – a elite defensive center fielder, a former MVP. We know he hasn't been right for a couple of years, but he's also been hurt. So maybe if he's fully healthy, a change of scenery, 
well, this could be really great. And, you know, even if he doesn't hit, his glove is going to be there. His defense will be there. And that's going to be a huge positive over what the Cubs had in center field last year. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I think Cody Bellinger, it's going to be satisfying watching him hit the ball out into Sheffield. And I hope it happens a lot. Yes. I will end on kind of a, a downer, though, that I've just been, I think about it yesterday and it just, it's going to bum me out. I know it is. The thought that um, Shohei Otani is going to be a free agent next year. And I just have no belief that the Cubs will even try to get him. And it's just, I, I, yeah. I understand, Sean. Um, Randall from the podcast, Randall Sanders texted me yesterday because the story was that uh, Saya apparently is going to recruit him to Chicago, or at least going to put in a good word to try and bring him to Wrigley Field. And Randall's reaction was like, this is my guy. That's my right fielder, you know, going out and doing the hard work. And, and I'm thinking there's no chance. And, and it's unfortunate because the Cubs absolutely should be competitive for it. And it really comes down to whether or not ownership is serious about spending money on the big league team. Mm-hmm. There were all of these stories at the beginning of the winter, Tom Ricketts going on radio, Crane Kenny going out in front of the Chicago press and saying, Jed's got, you know, the, the checkbook's open. Jed's got a green light here. And I was skeptical of that going, well, what does that mean? If the Cubs don't go into the luxury tax, then I don't believe that the checkbook is really open for him. And they didn't go into the luxury tax. It appears to be a pretty hard deadline for Jed, at least going into the season here. So come on, Cubs, like you could make it happen for Otani, but there's nothing that this ownership group has done the last five years that leads me to think that that's going to be a serious consideration. And it's annoying because I thought Bryce Harper was going to be a Cub. Uh, I thought... um, uh, Carlos Correa was going to be a Cub. There's a number of guys over the last couple of years I thought was going to end up in Chicago, and it's not what has been the case. Yeah, I'm going to have to definitely see it to believe it if they ever yeah. go for somebody like that. Agreed. And it did. It felt like that offseason thing really did feel like a PR campaign. Yeah. It felt, too, like they were sort of stringing Jed a little bit. Like, you know, Tom Ricketts, who – Every time he talks, I just go, could you not? Could you just please? It'd be so much better if he didn't talk to the press. And anytime he says anything, you know, it, it blows up and it goes viral anyway. But it, it it's just felt to me like they were putting this all on Jed. And mm-hmm. I don't think this team is going to be better than, say, 77 or 78 wins. I'm sort of expecting a high 70 win total this year. Then are they going to point the finger at Jed and say, well, the team hasn't been good enough. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't believe that ownership is fully committed until they're really willing to open up the checkbook. And yeah. other Cubs fans would say, oh, they've spent $300 million this winter. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I think they got um, certainly not the most elite starting pitcher on the market. They definitely didn't get the most elite first baseman. I love Dansby, but he wasn't the top shortstop available. So I pumped the brakes a little bit on that. The, the Cubs should be top five in payroll just about every year. And that has not been the case. So I hope it changes because that's what they should be doing. Like the Dodgers and the Mets and all these other competitive teams, the Padres too are spending a ton of money as they should. Yep. And they're going to have even more money off the books. Yeah. So you're right. But we'll see. I guess all we can do is cheer for the guys that are out there. Yeah, you're right. Cheer for the guys that are out there. Be certainly focused on these young players, the Keegan Thompsons, the Justin Steeles. I mean, I don't think any Cubs fan 
any reasonable Cubs fan is not excited to see what Dansby can do at short. An elite defensive player. He's got more power than I think most Cubs fans think. And it should be fun watching him out there, him and Nico up the middle. It's going to be really nice defensive baseball, at least up the middle for the Cubs. The farm is getting better. Pete Crow Armstrong getting accolade after accolade. There's a lot of good things happening with the organization. I think a little bit more spending this winter. We're talking playoffs this year. Yes. Still probably a year or two off at this point, and but it's getting better. And it's going to be much more enjoyable baseball this year than I think the last two years. Yes. So I guess that's probably a good point to end it on. And I'll let you um, plug your work. I We already talked about it, the behind the yellow line, but I'll let you one more pitch for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, please give us a listen if you can. Uh, we are also on Twitter at BTYL Podcast. Uh, but the co-host, Jeremy Spector, Randall Sanders. I mean, everybody loves Randall. He's a popular guy in the Cubs Twitter world. One of the great follows if you're a fan. And I'm just lucky enough that I've been friends with that guy for 20 years at this point. He and I have been going to Wrigley Field. So it's fun talking baseball with him and sharing that with everybody. So give us a listen if you can. And check out that interview we had with Sean a couple weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. So, yeah, thanks for coming on, and I'll have, I would love to have all you guys back on, and yeah, it was fun. Yeah, well, let's do it again, and, and we will extend the offer to you as well. Um, let's check back in in a couple of weeks, see how the team is doing, and we can do a midseason report or something like that back on Behind the Yellow Line. Yep, sounds good. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. Thank you. I am on Twitter at STH85. You can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, and Stitcher. And we're going to be back all season with lots of coverage of the Cubs. And hopefully it'll be a good year, but we don't know. And I'll be here no matter what. So go Cubs.